You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, now let's get into Romans chapter number 16. And I want to try to preach to you on this thought, on this thought this morning, before the beginning. Before the beginning. Now I use that what almost sounds like an oxymoronic title to reveal what again appears to be a paradox until you can look at things in a, a greater perspective. Before the beginning. Before the beginning. Romans 16, verse 25. A friend of mine, uh, David Johnston, got a good outline together on this uh, several years ago. Uh, and, uh, but, but here in uh, Romans chapter uh, 16, verse 25, the Bible says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest by and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And I want to go back to that verse 26 again. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of, of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of the faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the precious word of God, the power of God. I thank you so much that before the beginning before the beginning that you were at work. I thank you that before the beginning you had things figured out. God, and I, I think that from a, from a theological standpoint obviously is great to ponder, but dear Lord, how much we can rejoice in the practical application that before the world began, you had a plan. Before we were born, you had a plan for our lives. Before we were born, you had the power. You had what we needed to face all that we would face. And we thank you for that, dear Lord. So please, help us just in these moments to be encouraged by the truth of that before the beginning, you had a plan. And God, that before the world began, you were already at work. And we thank you for that, dear Lord. And we praise you for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, we find in these verses an interesting word, and it's interesting how these, this, this passage, especially the introduction, parallels a lot about what we learned in Sunday school this morning. But in these verses, we find both uh, a, a mention of a mystery and the revelation of mystery. See, a mystery is something difficult to explain or to understand. In the, in the mysteries of the Bible, we find the mind and purpose of God hidden from the sinner and revealed through the Spirit to the saint of God. A mystery in the New Testament especially is something that previously was not understood, but now is understood. And by the way, I want to say right there, I'm so glad that we have this amazing God that just beyond any of our comprehension, His wisdom and His power, I mean, the, the complexity of our universe from, from the macro to the micro. I mean, they're still learning, right? They're still exploring. They're still learning all these things that God put into play and that God created. And it's just mind-blowing. But I'm glad that this magnificent God in His great wisdom also makes His wisdom available to the lowliest. Amen. 
You don't have to have a high IQ, amen? You can have a high IQ, but you don't have to have a high IQ. I'm glad that God, uh, somebody put it, knows how to keep the cookies on the bottom shelf, amen? He knows how to take these great mysteries and make them, uh, to, to compact them down to where just somebody, just somebody like me can understand them. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. But something He reveals, and I just got to praise God that I'm saved this morning, and that I know the Lord, and that I have the Spirit of God within me, that it's not because of anything I've done, but since I'm saved, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you as well. We have the Spirit of God that empowers us, enlightens us, I mean, directs us, and we have the Word of God, amen, uh, that, that they work uh, absolutely together in sync. But in Romans, I'm going to share a lot of verses with you this morning, so uh, bear with me. If you'd like to write these down, I may not give you enough time to turn there, not because I don't want you to see them, but just because I'd like to share with, with you as many of these as I can. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, all the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. Romans 11, 33, Isaiah 55, verse 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So what these verses do for us this morning is remind us of the greatness of our God. And we need to be reminded of that because too often we are, we're reminded constantly of the greatness of our problems, aren't we? We're, we're reminded enough of the, of, the, of the greatness of our weakness, if you will, uh, and of our inability. And, and we, we don't understand. And, we, and we're, let me tell you something we're taken off guard by things. But what we're going to find out, as many of us already know, but what I just want to remind you of just a little bit today is that, uh, that, that nothing has ever taken God by surprise. Somebody put it this way, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? God it is not God's will for us to live our lives and as things come along and catch us off guard, as things come along and are much too great and much too big for us, for us to be exasperated, for us to be just totally overwhelmed and overcome by these things. Why? Because we know when we face these things, yes, they're too great for us, but they're not too great for our God. Yes, these things catch us off guard, but they do not catch our God off guard. And yes, these things are too great for me, but they're not too great for my God. Amen. Amen. And so we can go through this life with faith and trust in this great God who that before the beginning... Speaking about the beginning, I'm already in the middle of the message here. I need to get back here. Uh, but before the beginning, had a plan, amen. I mean, He loves you. He cares about you. The very, head, the very heads of your hairs, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Oh, my friend, what a great God He has. But so we're talking about this vastness of God. His ways past finding out. His thoughts being higher than our thoughts. <coughs> But in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, I love this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 9, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. 
Now there are some of you that perhaps have read those verses and have been told that those verses speak of heaven. I've heard that many times. Oh man, heaven. I hath not seen, nor ear heard. And that's all well and good, but the only thing is, is it's not in proper context. And if you ever want to know the proper context of a passage of Scripture, usually you just read. <laughs> Continue to read. Read before it, read after it. All you've got to do is read the verse after that. And it says this, But, so let me start verse 9 again of 1 Corinthians 2. As it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard. So now we're talking about the senses. Seeing, hearing. Neither hath entered into the heart of man. So now the heart of man, that speaks about our, 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 our emotions. The heart of man, the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. But I like this. Verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So it's saying that eye has not seen. It's saying that ear. So these aren't things that we can see with our eyes, hear with our ears, enter into our emotions. But through the Spirit of God and the Word of God, He's able to teach us these things. He's able to teach us these things that are unsearchable, unknowable. However, we can know them in the Spirit. Yea, the deep things of God. Now, when we think of God and when we think of eternity, our understanding and reasoning break down in a hurry. We cannot truly fathom this eternal being. It's hard for us to fathom eternity. Our understanding and reasoning cannot quite take it. Before there was anything, there was God. In the beginning, God created is the most profound theological statement found in the Bible. In the beginning, God. When did God begin? He did not begin. God has always been. You say, well, what? You know, then you get the question, well, what was God doing in eternity past? He was working today. Amen. That's good. That's right. See, because eternity, we, we just have a hard time with it. Because when we think about eternity, we think about, man, wonder what it was like way back in eternity. But, but eternity is not way back there. Eternity is way back there. Eternity is way up here. Eternity is right now. Eternity is just uh, infinite, right? I mean, it goes on forever. And so whatever time, see, I love what, and I, I, gotta, uh, I need to stay with my notes. I have the toughest time with that sometimes. But listen, I, I love what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said to Nicodemus, he said before Abraham, Abraham was, I am. <laughs> I am. See, because when God introduces Himself, and when, when Moses asked the question, and he asked to the Lord, the Lord speaks to him, and he does not say, you know, who shall I say sent me to Egypt? He does not say, tell them that I was sent you. W-U-Z. Was. Uh, I was sent you. Tell him I will be sent you. No, no, no. He said you tell him that I am. That I am sent you. The, the self-existent God. The I am God. See, our God is a is God. Our God is a right now God. Our God is a God always, everywhere, all present, all the time. Praise God. Always on time. Now, sometimes we feel like God is late, but I'm telling you, God's never late. Amen. I'm trying to get out of this introduction, but I keep preaching. Amen. I mean, listen, God is never late. God is always on time. 
Even when he's four days late, he's on time. Amen. You go over there to the book of John and, and you look at that. I was, I was praying about preaching John 11 today, but you look over there and it's just so awesome how that the Lord knew what he was going to do. Mary and Martha were, they were needing a miracle. Anybody? They were needing God to do something in their life. Anybody ever get in that place in your life? They were needing Jesus and they were needing him right now. They sent for Jesus. Jesus, please come. We need you. We need you now. And so, so for two, two days' journey, they sent a messenger to get Jesus. Two day, listen, that boy came back to another two days and found out that Lazarus died as soon as no, no, no sooner than he left. Now here's the thing. Jesus seemingly let them down. Jesus didn't show up when they thought He should show up. Jesus seemed like He was late. But folks, Jesus is never late. But they felt like He was late. We feel like He's late. We wonder where He's at. We wonder when He's going to move. But I'm going to tell you something. You mark this down and you hear me well. God loves you. He cares about you more deeply than you could ever be cared for. His heart aches for you. His heart yearns for you. He loves you so much. And the Bible says that much in John 11. The Bible says He loved them. And that's why He wept. And isn't He a good God? Because the point that I'm trying to get to is this. The whole time, Jesus knew what He was going to do. Jesus wasn't going to do the miracle they asked for. He was going to do a greater miracle. And in this greater miracle, it was going to answer prayers uh, that, that, that they had that were even greater. See, they were asking for this much. God said, no, I'm not giving you that. I'm going to give you this much. But you've got to wait. Amen? You've got to be patient. And so finally, uh, Jesus comes. And the Bible says, and I love it, John eleven thirty five, the shortest verse in all the Bible. Anybody knows what it says? Shortest verse in all the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. That's right. Jesus wept. Now, He already revealed earlier that He knew what He was going to do here with Lazarus, their brother that was sick and needed to be healed, they thought. He already knew what He was going to do. Why did He weep? That's always that's one of those questions people ask. Why did Jesus weep? And they say, oh, maybe perhaps it was this. But I believe I know exactly why He wept. See, the Bible says that Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He's touched. In other words, and the infirmity there talks about our weakness. He feels our weakness. He feels our pain. Jesus wept. It does not say Jesus shed a tear. It does not say that Jesus cried. It said He wept. Broken. Weeping. Knowing He was about to perform a miracle, but looking where they were at, Jesus wept with them. And I want you to know, if your heart's broken today, Jesus' heart's broken with you. Even though He knows that He's going to do something greater for you, right now His heart hurts with you. Right now His heart is broken with you. That's a powerful thing. You know what? I thank God for people that come into our life. But I'll tell you something about people. People sometimes aren't as compassionate as God is. And people tell you, well, you quit your whining. It's not that big of a deal. Why are you making such a big... I've been through a lot worse than that. And you see me, I'm doing fine. If you're that knucklehead, will you learn from Jesus? Do you think Jesus went through more than Mary and Martha were going through in that time? But He didn't come to town and say, y'all need to get your stuff together. It's not that big of a deal. Where's your faith anyway? What's your problem here? See, that's the way people act sometimes. 
Amen? Uh, I mean, listen, to put it nicely, people are idiots sometimes. People can be heartless, cold idiots and, 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 and uncompassionate. And I'm sorry to call those names, but I'm really not. I'm sorry that you don't like me calling those names. Amen? But I'm not sorry to call those names. That's the way people are sometimes. So sorry, I'm not sorry. Okay? But that's the way people are. But isn't it great that God's not that way? He comes and He weeps with them. They, you know, they, they're, they're even disrespectful to the Lord when He shows up. <laughs> I told you I was praying about preaching that message. I think I kind of am. But listen, they, they were even disrespectful to Him when He showed up. But you want to know something? Jesus was still there. Jesus still wept. And the whole time, He said, go show me the place where He lays. And, 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 and they say to the Lord, they say to the Lord, okay, Lord, but by this time he stinks. See, hope is all gone. And even, even Mary spoke up. Was it Mary? Was it Martha that spoke up? I think it was Martha that spoke up and said, Lord, by this time he stinketh. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, our brother had not died. But Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. See, it's all about Jesus. If you know Jesus, you know what you need to know. You know the eternal God. You know the one that was there uh, before, uh, before you were created, before this world was created. You know that one. And He comes and out to the graveyard they walk. And they get to this place where God's going to do a miracle. And He's going to raise Lazarus from the grave. But did you know before He could raise Lazarus from the grave, there was something they had to do? In John chapter number 11, you can look at it right along there around verse 40, 50, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, uh, I, but, but what you'll find out is this. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. There are times God wants to do a miracle in our lives, but sometimes we have a lid on the jar that he wants to fill. Sometimes we have something in the way. Sometimes we're so busy working. God's like, I want to do something, but you need to get out of the way. You need to let me work. You need to get your doubt out of the way. You need to get your pride out of the way. You need to, be, you need to humble yourself in an old-fashioned altar and say, you know what, God, I'm getting that out of the way. I want you to take away the stone. Take away the stone. See, because what happens? They obeyed the Lord and they said, okay, Lord, you said to take away the stone. The Bible said at His Word they listened. They, they, they listened to what His Word had to say. And they rolled the stone away. And when they did, Jesus cried, Lazarus, come forth. And out of the grave He came. Amen? And you know what the Bible says? Those, those Jews that were in that Bethany, that were in that Jewish community, I don't read about those, that, those Jewish family members being around when Lazarus was sick. But guess what? When he was dead, they all came out there. They all came to witness. And so guess what happened with many of them? They come to the Lord. Lazarus was resurrected. Their loved ones come to the Lord. See, some of us, we're wanting Jesus to show up and do a healing in our life. And He says, no, I'm going to let something die in your life so I can come show a resurrection. I want to do a miracle in your life. Why? Because He loves us. We think we know. The whole point is what? Jesus is late. Jesus is late on our timetable, but He's never late on His timetable. Why? Because He knows what He's doing. But I'm telling you, you need to take away the stone. You need to put your faith in Him. You need to maybe, there may be a crutch or two that you need to throw out to the side. 
See, some of us find our crutches, the thing that, that we're using to help us through. Let me tell you something. Jesus is what you need. I said what Jesus is who you need. So listen, before anything, before anything you ever face, anything you ever go through, there's a God in heaven that loves you. <laughs> in God's foreknowledge, He knows all that we will ever face. He knew us before we were ever born. I mean, listen, he, God has never once been surprised. God has never been baffled. He's never been shaken. He's never been confused. He does not worry. He does not make mistakes. He counsels Himself and needs no counsel from us. I mean, He is a God, he is a God that is never challenged. I mean, listen... I mean, we have challenges. But see, the thing that we've got to understand is that God said that the Lord God, the living God, He would be among us. Listen, He is with us. Amen. He has promised to see us through, to bring us through, no matter what we may face. And folks, we just got to by faith believe this God. See, yes, we could overcome, but we're looking to the wrong place. The Bible says while we look, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This God of ours. I've shared this with some of you before, but I feel like I should share it again. Did you know that God's commandments are God's empowerments? In other words, if God tells you to do something, He will empower you to do it. Amen. If He tells you like He told the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side, even if a big old storm comes up that threatens to sink you comes up, He knows already. He says you're going to the other side. And so he said to go do it. Guess what they did? It didn't look like they were going to make it, but they made it to the other side. I know it doesn't look like you're going to make it right now. I know that we face times in our life that it doesn't look like we're going to make it. But I'm telling you, if the Lord has called you, if He's commanded you, He is going to lead you. He's going to open up the door. Here's the portion I talked about sharing with you that I thought is a great illustration and a great truth. Did you know that scientifically speaking, as we sit here this morning, there's about 15 pounds of pressure per square inch pressing upon each of you. It may be a little less than that. That's at sea level. We're a little above sea level. But, but 15 pounds of pressure, and I want to say that again, yes, per square inch. How many square inches is on your body? <laughs> Here's the thing. Now multiply that by 15 pounds. What we, what we find is this. As you sit here, you look this up. Not now, Bo, and don't be on your phone. He got on to me, but no, he got on to me during Sunday school, I gotta say, because I was texting him to adjust the fans and to do this and that. And he's like, you really shouldn't be on your phone in church, Pastor. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, but no, listen, uh, you, but look it up. 15 pounds of pressure per, per square inch. Listen, tons of pressure upon you right now. Now, here's the question Why are you not just pushed down and obliterated into absolutely nothing? Why? Because there's a pressure on the outside, but God has created us with a pressure on the inside that withstands the pressure on the outside. 
And so here we are going through life and we don't feel the tons of pressure. Sometimes we do. But we don't feel the tons of pressure uh, upon us. Why? Because there's, there's pressure on the inside that just lets us go around and, and, and continue to function. There's something on the inside. There's pressure on the inside that resists the pressure on the outside. If you're a child of God this morning, let me tell you something. You've got everything you need on the inside to resist every ton of pressure that's pushing on you from the outside. Amen. And it's in the person of the Holy Spirit. It's in the person of of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, there's nothing. Amen. That's why, praise God, we're more than conquerors. How? Through Him that loved us. We're not more than conquerors through our talent, through our own wisdom, through our own ability. Listen, the the only difference is this. Number one, if you're saved by God's grace, you have uh, the the power of God. You You have these promises. You have these riches. But you know what the problem with a lot of people is? It's like the children of Israel. Folks, for a long time they had the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle right in the midst of the camp of Israel. But when it was time for them to move into the promised land, the the, the victorious Christian life, the land flowing with milk and honey, God wants you to live the abundant life, child of God. But in order for that to happen, the the, the ark and the tabernacle which pictures Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, as it were, was in the midst. If you're saved, the Bible says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his there in Romans chapter number 8. So the Spirit of Christ, if you're saved, He dwells within you. But when they moved on to the promised land, all of a sudden, the ark of the covenant went out in front. And so, it wasn't just a possession, it was the position And the problem with a lot of people, a lot of people, is this. The the difference between victory and defeat, the, the difference between conquering and mediocrity is not possession, if you're saved, it's position. Where is Christ at in your life? Where is He at on the priorities in your life? Are you putting Him first? Are you in His Word? I mean, listen, literally, you have the riches. You may look and say, why is it so hard for me and so easy for someone else? It's not that it's harder for you than it is anybody else. The difference is, a lot of times, folks, uh, we all go through the same troubles and trials, but by God's grace, there's some people that figure out, you know what, I'm trusting Christ with this. I'm not going to be overwhelmed with this. I'm, my, I'm surprised by this, but my God is not surprised by this. And so, we, and so there's people that learn to put their faith and trust in Him. The Bible says these, all, all these riches are g- given to your account. All these riches are at, you have access to all these riches. Every child of God has the access to the riches of the promises of God, the power of God, the conquering of God. But so many people, how foolish would it be to have a million dollars in the bank and to be out begging and scraping to try to get a meal? To be out trying to find a place to to, to, to provide shelter for your family. How, How silly would that be when you could look at that person and say, you have access to millions of dollars. You have access to more than you'll ever need. As silly as that sounds, I'm telling you, you multiply that by a million, and that's about what it is for a child of God to be going through this life defeated. That's about what it's like for a child of God to be going through this life. And I'm not talking about 
facing defeat. I'm not talking about getting discouraged, but I'm talking about if we just live that way, that's what it's like. God says that's not the way. Oh, my friend, we face troubles. We do. We face trials. We face the fires. But there's a God that says, I'll be with you through that fire. Amen? Oh, my friend, listen, we want to be delivered from the fire. We want, we want Jesus to show up and heal Lazarus. But before He ever created this world, He said, I know them and i got a better plan. Amen. See, God's not waiting to see how tomorrow turns out. He already knows. He knows what you need. He knows what I need. I've said it before, but the very hairs of your hair are numbered. He knows your thoughts. He knows your down-sitting and your uprising. There's nothing He does not know about you. And I'm telling you, He cares about you. The Bible says there's not a sparrow that falls from the, fly, from the sky uh, that He doesn't uh, recognize, that the Father's not there. Oh, my friend, how much more does He care about you? Oh, listen, I mean, if He clothes the grass of the field, the beautiful wildflowers and things that we think of, who, who clothes those? Uh, what, what beauty that is. If He clothes the, the grass of the field, how much more will He clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith, He tells us. He cares about you. And I want to encourage you this morning, child of God, get into the Word of God. Be faithful in the house of God. Humble yourself and get in the altar and pray. And, and ask for God's help and acknowledge your need of Him. Let God... I mean, listen, take away the stone. Take away the pride. Take away the crutches. And say, Jesus, I need You. I trust You. And watch the Lord show up and do a miracle. See, before the beginning... I just keep saying that because I, I didn't get to this message at all. But before the beginning, God knew what you would face. Amen? Before any of it, He knew everything you'd ever faced. And he, it's, not that, it's not even that He's going to... You know what the Lord's helped me with in times past? I'll get down and I'll be going through such a difficult time. And let's all stand, please. I'll be going through such a difficult time. Such a challenge. And if Miss Sonia would come. And I'll get down and I'll begin to pray, Oh, Lord, God help me. I mean, you know, you just... You're at the end, man. You don't see a way out. You don't see how this... Lord, help me through this. And as I've prayed that before, you know what God's revealed to me? The truth of God's Word? He's already helped me through it. He's already seen me through the other side. I don't understand what you're facing. I'm not going to pretend to understand what you're facing. I'm not going to pretend. And, and by God's grace, I will, I'll try to be more like Jesus. And I'll try to not say, well, that's not that big of a deal. I'm going through worse. How dare you doubt God? How dare you have... How dare you even call into question? Jesus didn't do that with Mary and Martha. He doesn't do it with us. Would you join these that are already coming? He's already seen us through it. That's right. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Take away the stone. He said, I'd never come down there. Take away the stone and let God do a miracle in your life this morning. Lord, I need You. I acknowledge my need for You. He's already seen us through. He loves You. Nothing, nothing can come into your life. Nothing can come into your life that God doesn't allow. Thus, our bitterness with God. We want to blame the devil all the time. 
A lot of these things are our own decisions, but even then, it's God that lets it happen. And you know what? Don't get so caught up on what's going on that you forget to look to the one that's going to get you through it. He's a good God and He loves you. He will bring you through. And I want to say this. The bulk of that message was, a, was focused toward the child of God. But if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, may I please encourage you to call on Him today? May I please encourage you to accept Him? There's some of you that just have doubts. You know, you say, man, I, I, I believe I called on Him years ago and... But boy, with the, the way my life's been recently, I'm not sure. Did I really? Do I need to get saved? I mean, there's people that have doubts. I'd love to see you get those settled. And you can get them settled. But there's others this morning that maybe you just know. You just know that you need the Lord. The Lord's knocking on your heart's door. And I ask you today, would you please humble yourself and accept Him as your Savior? The Bible says we're condemned because of our sin. We deserve death, hell, and judgment, but there's a Savior that come bore that pain for us, bore our sin so that we could be saved. Will you please trust Him today if you haven't trusted Him? What do you need to do? Just call on the Lord. He'll save you. Amen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Spirit of God convinces and the Spirit of God convicts. And we just say, yes, Lord. I want you as my Savior. I'll turn from my sin. I'll turn from my pride. I'll turn from my religion. And I'll trust in this relationship that I can have with you.